2: Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio.
3: And thanks for joining us. Welcome uh, back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Varla Ventura, the author of six books on bizarre and strange things from the history of paranormal parlor games to vampires, banshees, and other creepy creatures of the realms of fairies. She has experienced countless paranormal events and considers herself a committed supernaturalist. She can be found lurking around in Minnesota's deep dark woods in the hunt for beastly things, hidden history and graveyards. And Vala, welcome back.
4: Why, thank you. It's great to be back.
3: How have you been? Everything good?
4: <laughs> yeah, things things have been things have been good. Yeah. I'm I'm doing okay.
3: How's the paranormal world these days?
4: Well, it's um, you know, I haven't done as much traveling as i have in the past um but interestingly it's picked up at home a little <laughs> so that's kind of fun are, um, or maybe it's scary it i guess it depends on your perspective
3: absolutely what are some of your favorite paranormal topics
4: i would say that of um well i i absolutely love and this is you know this is why i love coast to coast and in particular this like late hour because i love hearing other people's stories. I like collecting. I like sharing ghost stories. And I think there's something like really lovely in that shared experience, you know, and it happens constantly um, to people in the middle of the night listening to this show. It happens when um, I talk with people and I interview people for my books. and, And just, I don't know, I seem to draw ghost stories out of people. So that just like general, just, ghost stories are not fun. They can be really scary to me. That's fun. Uh, and then the other topic that I find really interesting and I've just gotten more and more interested in lately is um, just the whole kind of some of the things that were happening in history during the rise of the spiritualist movement and some of the channeling and a lot of the women who were sort of rising above their ordinary ranks um, thanks to the paranormal parlor games. So those are some pretty, but you know what, if it's paranormal, like I'm in
3: basically You're in big time, big time.
4: <laughs> I'm in.
3: should we be afraid of the paranormal?
4: I mean, I personally have had a few things that have um, startled me and I can only Speak for myself because I know that I know people who have been very tormented by things. And I've discussed this with people, um, you know, very close to me that have had really a lot of trauma with the paranormal, whether it's a poltergeist in the house or seeing something they didn't understand. But I am not of the camp of being, um, Afraid of the paranormal. In fact, I think that's why we are drawn to it because we're looking for some kind of answers or lessons, or maybe it's just entertainment value. But whatever it is, you know, it's it's actually probably a little of everything, right? It's a little of all of that. And I don't, I mean, I'm not going to tell people not to be afraid, but I find that, and this is the beauty of the ghost story. I find that I am often more afraid after the fact or hearing something after the fact than, um, for me, most of my experiences, I'm, I'm usually trying to explain it away in the moment and kind of trying to, like, rationalize what's going on. I don't automatically think, oh, that's a ghost. Um, so I think my brain kind of kicks in and tries to rationalize it. I think that's, that's probably happens to a lot of people. And, um, I think it's kind of like after the fact when you can't explain it. And sometimes that could be a couple days later Mm -hmm. and you start putting things together. Um, and then in the retelling, I think things get scarier. We always have that the fisherman thing, right? Because <laughs> the fish gets bigger and bigger. The monster gets bigger and scarier. But sometimes that's that's completely authentic because it is scarier when we're reliving it. Because um, in the moment, you're kind of in, like, I guess survival mode or, or, or just logical mode, um, which are maybe one and the same.
3: Do children come up with all these incredible stories that parents will generally say, Ah, you're imagining this.
4: I mean, so that actually kind of speaks directly to why some of us are inherently afraid of the paranormal. And again, I'm not telling people not to be afraid because, you know, fears, fears are real thing. But I do think that it can start at a very young age when um, we, many of us who have had experiences have probably had them at some point when they were younger, whether that's, um, you know, sort of psychic flashes or actually seeing spirits, Um, and often the grown-ups around us in a misguided attempt to protect us will sort of say, oh, you're just imagining it, that there's nothing there, and, you know, they're trying to comfort you, right? They're trying to say, hey, you know, you're going to be okay, But really what it does is it immediately invalidates whatever you've seen as a kid. So if you've legitimately seen some sort of specter in your room and now your parent is telling you that it's not real, well, after a while, you'll just stop telling them. But that doesn't mean you're going to stop seeing it. And you don't. You know, I mean, you don't. Maybe years go by in between when you have experiences, but by and large, I think that some of that fear comes from assuming that you're imagining it and it kind of makes people doubt their own their own sanity or well-being when, in fact, they're having a very common and very commonly shared experience.
3: Have you had your own ghostly encounters, Kabarla? Absolutely have,
4: yeah. From a young age, I have, and um, I've had them throughout my life. I've had a little bit of everything. I guess I've kind of had the, a, a grab bag of paranormal experiences. Um, you know, I've had things touch me. You know, the tap on the shoulder, the, the a little little tug on the on the hair, um, sitting on the bed. That's actually happened to me a few times, where something feels like it's sitting on the end of the bed, and that's a little disconcerting because you know you. you you're a, you're like, when am I asleep? What's going on? Um, I've huh. been tapped on the forehead. I've seen things. I've seen things kind of shimmering. I've things I've seen things, you know, shoot by shadowy people. Definitely had some shadow people encounters. Um, and probably more than more than anything, at least lately, I've had some Claire audience things. So that's you know, you got clairvoyant, which is sort of. Uh, a little bit of everything, but Claire audience specifically is being able to hear things. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will just say, "Oh, I'm a clairvoyant," but what you're what you really are is you're a clair audience. You're hearing spirits, or you're hearing something. Like you might hear, you know, someone say, "George down the hall," and it's clear as a bell, but no one's there. Nobody's
3: there that's, at all. You think somebody's yeah. in the room, and they're not there.
4: Absolutely, and I think that that's probably more common. And I think that for for myself, I think that probably happened more, but I lived in like a more urban area and like, it was like, okay, you know, maybe it was my neighbors or, but, but, you know, I have a pretty unusual name. So if I hear that name, I'm like, wait a second, like how, you know, how, how am I hearing that name? So, um, yeah, I think, I think there's, so I've had all those things. I've had a lot of Claire audience. I've even had a few things happen lately and then i'm not sure exactly what you would classify it as but i think a lot of people just sort of have like a a feeling um you might walk into a room i know one time i was down in key west with my mom and we were hitting all the cool spooky museums and i don't know if you've ever been to key west oh yeah absolutely oh it's it's just like a little. Um, I mean, it's just like a weirdo's paradise, quite frankly. I mean, it's lovely there, and
3: it's like a shrine, time, isn't it?
4: it? It is, and then there's just like gorgeous beaches, and you kind of have it all. And then there's also just like all like right in the heart of Key West, you've got paranormal, you know, stories and and tours, and you've got Robert the doll that lives there. You know, that yeah. huge, super creepy haunted doll. And um, then you have just um, like the Pirate Museum, the Shipwreck Museum. The Shipwreck Museum is actually where I had an experience um, where I walked in there and we were on a little kind of – my mom and I had gone in there. We were actually on a tour and um, I just all of a sudden felt like the pressure, like something was just – honestly – in retrospect, it felt like the way it feels when you dive really deep into a pool and you have that pressure. Or if you've ever gone scuba diving or snorkeling, where you go under the water and you kind of have that pressure, so it wasn't negative, it was real, it was very, um, very intense and it was in the specific spot and it got so strong, I actually had to hold on to something to keep from kind of like falling over. <laughs> And I didn't say anything because I didn't want to interrupt the tour. This woman was telling us all this great historical stuff. And I was just kind of rolling with it. And I'm thinking like, whoa, what's going on? And as soon as I stepped away from that spot, I kind of got to like, it kind of, it lifted. And then she went on to tell us, then she launched into like all of the strange paranormal things that had happened there. Well, the shipwreck museum is exactly what it sounds like. It's all of these things that have been scavenged from shipwrecks. but some of those shipwrecks were, um, there were, some people would just scavenge it, right? It was just kind of like a thing. It was like, oh, there's a shipwreck, you go down, you get the things you can, you sell what you can, you know, tough times. Um, but, but there were people who were a little less scrupulous, and they would go and put a light in, the, in an area to misguide a ship to go over the rocks. And so there's definitely Jeez. some, like, things attached to the many things. And this is a museum laden with things. So I had actually a couple of things happen when I was in Key West. And um, so I I guess my point to that is I think it's also common for people to have like a feeling like of extreme coldness, uh, maybe extreme lightheadedness that they can't explain or sometimes warmth. Um, You know, I've had that happen a few times. There's a cemetery right by my house that. Because I'm me, I walk through the cemetery every day on my daily walk. And not every time I walk through, but frequently when I walk through, I hit kind of about halfway and just this overwhelming feeling of happiness and joy hits me. And now I'm happy in a cemetery. I'll admit that. But this is a little different. This is like tingles up and down my spine, but very, very joyful Um, and then one time I was walking through and I got that, and then I walked a little further on and I got like a, you know, big hit of something negative. (laughs) I don't know what it was, but I.
5: Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Do you have a pet, Varla?
4: I have. I have cats. Yeah.
3: Are they um, sensitive to the it, other side? Uh,
4: so I think I, I have a dog that um, barks randomly at things, <laughs> definitely. But I have I have a black cat that I've had for years. It's kind of my my long term my 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 long companion, and. um there have been a few times when I think I felt something and I'll kind of like look up and look around and he's almost inevitably in the room with me at that time. So he seems to be the one, the other, the other two are kind of oblivious, quite frankly.
3: (laughs) Amazing. You have talked about the paranormal parlor games. What are they?
4: So I refer so as, as kind of something like I think of as that period of time in which the spiritualist just to give you like a quick overview. So like the spiritualist movement, which still exists, people are still practicing spiritualists, but it really became like a movement and at its sort of sort of peak in the U.S. and it was also um, you know present. In Europe and um, throughout England and Ireland and Canada, but primarily in the U.S., it peaked after the Civil War. Um, And the, the spiritualism being the belief not just that you can communicate with the dead, but that the dead actually have messages for us. So many of our paranormal practices today are based on this the rise of spiritualism and the belief that Uh, Because, of course, we've been trying to communicate with the dead and the divine for, you know, since we realized that we were mortal. But spiritualism as a sort of, like, practice and also just not just the idea that we're communicating, but we're getting messages. And those are messages that can help us. They can help society as a whole. Um, They can kind of guide people and also deliver messages of, of comfort. So the spiritualist movement then not surprisingly gave, you know, was kind of started to spike after um, the civil war, Mm -hmm. you know, 1865 or so. And then through, through the, uh, you know, 1840 to like 1930 is really when it was like very popular. And during this time it became very popular to conduct seances. And it was frequently people of, you know, upper echelons of society who had, Bare parlors and lovely dining tables who would host these mediums who would come through town and they would travel, you know, they would, there, was a, there was a circuit, you know, they traveled the circuit and um, people would attend these seances and it was people who were believers, people who were disbelievers, um, people who were devout Catholics, people, you know, would go to these, these, um, sort of, I I guess like a paranormal salon on a Saturday afternoon or evening. And then they, you know, get up and go to church. So it wasn't, wasn't viewed as like a, an evil thing or in conflict in any way with the, um, I'm sure some people, um, in the church believed that it was, you know, cahoots with the devil and such, but by and large, it became this very, very big movement. It was very popular. And, um, out of that came the Ouija board and the mm-hmm. regular use of the Ouija board and other kind of means, spirit boards. Um, they weren't always all called that, but spirit boards, um, various forms of scrying and channeling, uh, basically automatic writing, usually through the guidance. And in spiritualism, there usually needs to be a medium present to conduct these these things. Um, and then, of course, eventually people began just sort of experimenting with these things at home. And, you know, Parker Brothers started cranking out the Ouija board. And, um, you know, it still continues today. So, those paranormal parlor games are all of those kind of things. And you think of like that Victorian parlor and people sitting around, you know, putting their hands on the table and lighting candles and actually really collectively trying to make contact with the spirit world, and many of them believing that 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 was an absolute possibility. And a lot of very interesting stories came out of that time. So those are the kind of paranormal parlor games.
3: My mother's very spiritual. Varla's still with us, 93. But I remember her taking me to what they were called Crying Virgin Mary Statue Events, and somebody would oh, bring wow. the statue into a house that would be full of people, primarily women, but full of people who would be in the parlor, family room, living room, whatever you want to call it. And they would have the statue there, and they would pray and wait for it and hope for it to cry. Well, I was never there when it cried. But these were, ev- <laughs> these were events that they called miracles all over the country and uh, they would bring these statues of crying virgin marys there which were I, I guess you know you'd call it more religious than paranormal but it still was weird especially when you're a 10-year-old little boy
4: <laughs> right but i mean there is an intersection there with this kind of belief that a statue can cry and that you know you can make contact with the dead the divine the dead right that's what you're you're trying to make, and, and a, a seance is a different kind of ritual than a prayer. So I think there's a lot of commonality in that, and that's why it was able, the spiritualist movement was became so popular.
2: Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.